Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Good morning, my Church of God of East New York family. It's glad, I'm glad to be here. Um, I give honor to God, who's the head of my life to your pastor and your first lady. It's an honor to celebrate your 91st church anniversary. Um, at this time, I, I want to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his way, on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. As you was with us in worship, now be with us in the word. Touch me from the crown of my head to the sole of our feet that I speak thus saith the Lord that I speak with clarity and boldness, God. God, I'm, I thank you for what you're going to do for your people, that your word never returns void, but it brings forth fruit in our lives to transform us, to inspire us, to be better people. So God, we thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For a little bit, I want to talk about in the subject, engaged in what we are empowered to do, simply loving our neighbors. 
Um, Yafim is purposely empowered to serve. I thought about that, Church of God of East New York, for over 91 years, you have purpose as a body of believers to serve this community and beyond. And as we navigate through these tough times, a time of crisis, you, the Church of God, have been the church, and you served well. I'm a big fan of what God is doing in this church and through this church. I've witnessed as gun violence riddled our community and racial injustice continue to show its ugly head as we keep seeing black and brown folk adjudicated by the police on the sidewalks. You answer to serve the community, not to incite riots, but with a prayer walk, crying out to the Lord to heal our lands and bring peace. Also marches of justice, letting folk know all lives will only matter when black lives matter. Now dealing with the pandemic of COVID-19 as we've plagued our nation, especially adversely affecting black and brown folk, East New York again responds to serve the community, making sure the vaccine is accessible to black and brown folk by being a vaccine center, encouraging and educating folks. Then I can't forget your countless School drives, as back to school drives, giving out school supplies, your food distribution, and community cleanup. The truth is, the Church of God of East New York, you, you are doing your part, and you continue to do your part. And I wondered and said, Lord, what do you want me to say to a church that is already on the ball? And then this question that hit me in my spirit. How does the church continue to be engaged in what it's empowered to do? How can a church be engaged in what it's empowered to do? I, I've been wrestling with this question, what it will take, not just the Church of God of East New York, but the universal church to continually be engaged and purposeful in what we are empowered to do. And I believe it's going to take love, loving God. It's going to require us to love our neighbor, to love people other than our family and friends. Ministry is about loving God and loving people, showing care and compassion. In 1 John 4.20, it says we love because he first loved us. And he says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother and sister, he or she is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother or sister, whom we have seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this commandment from him that whoever loves God must love their brother and sister as well. Our relationship with God is evident in our relationship with each other. Matter of fact, Jesus even talks in the parable of the sheep and the goats about being engaged in what we are empowered to do. He says, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. 
When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was sick, you came to visit me. And Jesus says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. My brothers and sisters, all over the world, we are hearing, seeing all these senseless, crude, and violent acts going on all around us. This world needs God's love because God's love will make people more patient with one another. It's God's love will make people show more acts of kindness, giving up the seat to the elderly or the pregnant woman. It, it will cause people not to be so jealous with one another. I, I, I'm trying to let you know that it's only God's love that will make people more humbler rather than haughty. It, it will make people more courteous, saying good morning, good night, how are you? It, it, it is God's love that will make people less rude. God's love will make people more forgiving because his love records no wrong. What the world needs is God's love, and you and I are the agents of God's love, and we have to be willing not just to love God, but to show and share God's love to everyone, to love God totally with all our heart, mind, and body, and soul, and love our neighbors as ourselves. I believe it's the love of God and the love for people that's going to keep us engaged in what we are empowered to do. And in this parable today, we read um, this morning that Jesus teaches the church, the agents of his love, how you and I should love. The truth is we need more good Samaritans in the church these are the type of people that will always be engaged in what they're empowered to do. The story tells us that God loves everybody. We, sh we should love everybody too. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. It's no coincidence that Jesus uses a parable to teach us about loving our neighbor and utilizing a Samaritan to help a Jew. See, my brothers and sisters, historically, Samaritans and Jews don't mix, and they don't agree. Jews considered Samaritans as half-breeds. Since Samaritans came about when the Jewish men and women got mixed up with foreign nations during the time of Israel's rebellion and disobedience, being unequally yoked, so they saw the Samaritans as half-breeds. And they mistreated them. They felt elite, better than them. Doesn't that sound familiar? But despite all of that, Jesus tells a story of a parable where a Samaritan showing love by being compassionate towards a Jewish man who was left half dead. Teaching us to love our neighbor by serving them in a time of need, even when our neighbor doesn't look like us. When our neighbor doesn't even believe the same things as us, or even share in the same culture as us. But yet we still love them just as much as we love ourselves, simply by serving them. This parable, the Good Samaritan, made me go back to my childhood Made me think about when I was a little boy watching Mr. Rogers on Channel 13 and remind me of the theme song, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? 
And Jesus, as he was being questioned by the lawyer, who, who is my neighbor? Jesus teaches us it's not about who's your neighbor, but being neighborly. The expert of law was trying to throw a question to trip up Jesus, and Jesus flips it around, and he corrects them that it's not about who needs love. It's about you and me showing love, because the truth is everybody needs love. And I looked at this text and it talks about not who qualifies to be loved because everybody needs to be loved, but it's questioning us. It's challenging us for us loving each other to being neighborly, being neighborly. And I believe this parable teaches us an attitude, the right attitude and the wrong attitude. He talks about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. If you look at this story, it talks about a lot of characters are in this text. To my surprise that the majority of the people in this story lacked compassion and concern. I, I, I believe that this story tells me five attitudes that need to lead the church. Here's five attitudes I see. The, the first attitude, I think, that for us to continue to be engaged in, in what we are empowered to do to be in ministry and service, one of the first attitude is the attitude of the robber. You read the text. Text talks about a robber who wounded this man going his way. We have too much robbers in the church who wound people, who mistreat people and use them and abuse them and exploit them. We need to remove the robbers in the church if we want to be more effective and continue to be empowered to serve. You can't be empowered, you can't be engaged into the service if you are a robber. We, 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 we need less religious folk and more relational folk. You, you, you see, it's right there, the priest. You, you, you saw the priest, the priest should have known better. I, I, I suspect that the priest just came back from, from ministry because he was coming back towards away from Jerusalem. So I, I, can, I can infer and think that he, he was probably doing ministry and all of a sudden he sees a man in need, but yet he goes blind. We, we, we need these kind of folk out of the church, the folk that, 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 that thinks that out of sight, out of mind, that get so tired and weary in doing ministry. The Bible says, let us not be weary and well-doing. We will reap if we faint not. But we got so many folk fainting and sick and tired of doing ministry. So have this out of sight, out of mind mentality. Well, don't, don't forget about the Levite. The Levite should have even known better. The Levite are the worshipers, the people in the choir. I, I, I call them the curious but not caring people. The people who always want to see what happened, but do nothing about it. I, I, I call it the Marv Albert Greg Gumbo syndrome. All commentary and no action. We got too many people like that. They, they just curious to, to spread um, gossip rather than the gospel. And then you got folk like the innkeeper who's willing to help, but only help when something is in it for them. The text says that the man, the, the, the Samaritan had to tell him, look, take care of him, and I will pay you. You see, see, some of us, we don't want to serve if we don't get paid. 
And I believe that these attitudes is what's going to stop us from engaging what we are empowered to do. We need to eliminate the Robert syndrome, the robber's syndrome, the priest, the Levite, and the innkeeper. But we got to be like the Samaritan who saw the wounded man, saw the worth of the wounded man. He cared for them and loved them. Live this model to love your neighbor as yourself. And my brothers and sisters, we must follow the Samaritan to show mercy and compassion to others by being kind. And I believe the Samaritan teaches us what we need to do to be engaged in what God has empowered us to do by simply opening up. Simply, yes, opening up. I, I noticed this text that this Samaritan just opened up. He opened up five things that we need to open up. He opened up, one, his eyes, which brings to attentiveness and awareness. He opened up his heart, which speaks to affection. He opened up his hands, which speaks to action. Yes, and he opened up his wallet, which speaks to our assets. And lastly, he opened up his time, which speaks to our agenda. I believe these are the five things we need to open up so we can be engaged to be engaged in what we are empowered to serve. We got to open up our eyes. We got to open up our hearts. We got to open up our hands. We got to open up our wallets. But we got to open up our time. Come, let me show you. Look, look point number one, you got to open up your eyes, your awareness, your attention. You have to see it. You see, you and I have modeled, you and I have to model what the Good Samaritan did. For us to love our neighbors as ourselves, we got to first open up our eyes. The Samaritan showed love to his neighbor at the point of despair when he needed the most attention. But he only could show his attention if he was aware. It's right there in verse 33 in the B clause when it says, he, when he saw. See, when he saw, we see, see some of us are not seeing. He, he, he saw the need before he met the need. And you and I will love our neighbors. We, you and I, we engage in ministry and service when we start seeing things. When we look past the obvious, the, the outer shell of man, and look into the eyes and the hearts of people and their circumstances. But oftentimes we can't see because we are blinded by our own burdens and our bitterness. Yes, yes, sometimes we, we don't see the needs of our brothers and sisters because we get so blinded and bogged down in our bitterness and our burden. We, we, we say things like, look, nobody's looking at me, so why should I look at someone else? When I went through this and I went through that, when my money was funny, nobody blessed me. When, when I went through all of my troubles, when I went through grief, nobody came to me. And, and we carry this and it causes bitterness and, and we get caught up in our burdens and we become blind to the needs of someone else. And I realize that if we can open up our eyes, we can see that what we're going through, that there's somebody out there that is worse off than us. 
And sometimes God, in our need, he sends people in our way for us to overextend, for us to extend ourselves to help those who are worse than us. And I realize, why does he do that? It's because when you see people who are worse than us, it doesn't make us seem better, but it reflects the grace of God towards us. That, that even while I'm in need, I'm not just as bad. God's been looking out for me, and, and that brother and sister is worse off, and they're still praising God. They're still coming to the church. They're still working out. So he teaches us to be grateful that, that everything ain't as bad as you think, but he brings people in our way to help us. But we got to be aware. We got to open up our eyes and see the needs of the people. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 talks about looking out for the good of others. But there's this always this constant battle, looking in the mirror, looking at ourselves. Many of us have a PhD on yourself. You are educated on what is wrong with you, what is right with you, but when's the last time you looked at a brother or sister? When, when, when is the last time you, you went on your knees and you, you looked out for your brothers and sisters and prayed for them? Let's be honest, oftentimes as we go on our knees and we pray, we only can see our knees, but when it comes to our brothers and sisters, we just do a general pray, um, please bless our brother and sister. We can't be specific and we can't be effectual and fervent in our prayers because we are lacking awareness. We have to be on the lookout. Look out for who God is trying for us to be a minister, to share, and to serve. And I ask God to give us spiritual discernment so that we can see the people of God and their needs and also for us to see people like how people should be. I, I, I thought about it. I'm a father of three girls, and I thought about in the days when my children were very small, oftentimes they would cry, and they would cry and cry and cry. And the funny thing is that they all of a sudden stopped crying when I picked them up. I learned very shortly that there was nothing really wrong with them. They just wanted my attention. You know, you know, it's so funny because some of adults behave just like children. Some of the young people in the streets, they, they, they're crying and they're hurting and they're doing foolish things because all they simply want is for the church to hold them and, and grab them and say, I see you. We got to see them. They want attention. They want us to show love and care. And if we just get out the four walls and begin to see them, and see their needs, and hold them and embrace them, everything will get better. Got to hurry along, but not only I notice he opened his eyes, he opened his heart, which speaks to affection. He moved from seeing it to feeling it. My brothers and sisters, the text says in verse 33, the second half of the verse, it not only says when he saw him, it says his heart was filled with compassion. He, he began to be filled with compassion. He began to be sensitive to the needs of their brother, of the brother. Sympathizing with pain 
First, you got to see it. But what I realized is just as much you got to see it. If you don't feel it, you will never do nothing about it. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about this, that we should weep with those who weep. We, we, we should be filled, our heart should be filled with compassion. That, that, that Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's troubles and, and problems in this way, and you obey the law of Christ. It, it, it speaks beyond sympathy. It begins to be empathy. And empathy is the capacity to feel another person's feelings and, and their thoughts and their attitudes by being vicariously feeling what they feel. And the apostle Peter counseled the Christians to have compassion for one another. Love your brothers. Be tenderhearted and to be courteous. Even apostle Paul talks about envy when he exhorts us as Christians to rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. See, empathy is related to sympathy, but it's a narrow focus. It's when you generally consider someone personally, how they feel. And I thought about empathy, empathizing with our brothers and sisters, especially our brothers and sisters. Some of us, we become a little rash and brash. Now, now, now COVID-19, everyone who took the vaccine think that they got the, they, 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 they're brand new. But, but those who are a little on the edge of when to do, all of a sudden, we, we, we don't have empathy for those who don't know if I should or I shouldn't. And we rub them the wrong way. But we got to show love because the truth is you were once with them. You wasn't sure if you could take the shot. But we got to learn to show empathy. How, 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 how do you show empathy? I can tell you a story. Um, one day at work, I was called in by management. And they asked me to let go of somebody. And I said, why? They, they said, they're stealing city's time. While we were going remote, this individual wasn't working like they usually were. And they were doing an investigation about someone stealing time. And I, I began to listen to them, and they were like, just fire them. They already made a judgment call. But I decided, as a Christian, let me call the person. I, I, I called the person, and, and I said, you, 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 so-and-so, you, you, you're not doing work like you usually do. You're very productive. What's, what, what's going on? The person began to break down in tears. I said, Mr. Bannister, I've been dealing with a difficult matter. My wife just passed away from COVID-19. He says, I, I, I know I'm not doing all that I'm supposed to do, but every time I try, my mind is on my wife and trying to help my children to deal with it. And while helping my children, I even had no time to deal with it with myself. When I heard the story and I listened, I began to cry. Two big grown men crying on the phone. But something in me says that I got to change from Mr. Bannister to Reverend Bannister. And, and, and I, I try not to, you know, break the laws and the rules and regulations and separation of church and state. But I saw an opportunity. And I said, can I pray for you? And I began to pray for him. 
And I said, every Monday I'm going to call you. And I, and I prayed for him every other Monday, and, and, and he's getting better. But the funny thing, my brothers and sisters, he's a Muslim. But yet he was recognizing that the only person that can help him is Jesus Christ. But he would have never known who Jesus is if I didn't have empathy. That if I didn't start to feel rather than be judgmental and I, I, I didn't go the route and judgmental. And when I was able to advocate on his behalf, they showed grace and mercy. Some of us, we are so quick to judge. We use our eyes but never use our heart. We got to use our heart and not just see it. But the Samaritan teaches we must feel it. But not only the Samaritan teaches us that not only we must see it by handing attention and, and the heart to feel it by being affectionate, he, he teaches us about your hands to move into action. You see, once you begin to see and feel, all of a sudden you begin to do. See, you, 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 it touches you so real, you begin to go in action. It's right there in verse 34. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He sees this guy. He's walking down the road and, and he sees this naked guy. And the text tells me that he was on a donkey. And he got off his donkey to go and use his hands. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but some of us need to get off your donkey. Some of us have been sitting down too long. You've seen it, you feel it, and you've been just sitting rather than acting. You've been talking about it, I, I, I will do this, I, I, maybe we should do this, maybe I, I should participate in church, maybe I should join the choir, maybe I, I, I should be a volunteer, maybe, and some of us see it and you feel it, you heard God's voice, but you haven't moved into action. And some of you saying, Pastor, see, I, I, I understand, but I, I just don't know what to do. I, I, I see it, and I, and I feel it, and I, I, got the, I got gifts, I got talents, but I, I don't know how I fit in this. I, I don't know how I fit in the body. I, I don't know what should I do. But the first thing I notice, the first thing you should do is not be reactive, but proactive. See, that's what love makes you do. The text didn't say that the wounded man came to him. But the Samaritan went to them, to him. See, 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 you got to be proactive. Go and see what needs to be done. But not only that, you simply just got to use what you got. The text says he didn't go to the store. He didn't look around. He used the resources that he had. And he had oil and wine. My wife is a chef. I, I, I was wondering, maybe he had a salad. That's where the oil came from. And he had wine to go with it. And he used the oil to soothe the wounds, but he used the wine to clean the wounds. Simply you and I got to be proactively, take the initiative to use what we have. Same thing that God had to tell Moses, what's in your hand? I know you guys have done this before. The book, Eric Reese talks about shape. That you and I have a unique shape. 
S for spiritual gifts. That the Holy Spirit, this, this earthly weak vessel, he gives us this treasure, the Holy Spirit, who gives us spiritual gifts. Uh, he also gives us H, a heart, a passion for something to do. He gives us A, natural abilities. Your, your P, your personality. E, your, your experience. He, he uniquely shapes you. That's why he says, for we are his workmanship, uh, predestined to do good works, that God has shaped you uniquely to, to do something. And this Samaritan teaches us not only he sees it, he feels it, but he moves to action and does something about it. And not only that, I noticed he opened up his eyes. He opened up his heart. He opened his hands. Verse 35 teaches me he opens up his wallet. Yeah, some of y'all are not going to say amen on this because some of us have not opened up their wallet. The text says the next day after he did ministry, what happened? He had to open up his wallet and pay for the man to stay and recover some more. My brothers and sisters, that's the principle right there. You do ministry, then money follows after. See, ministry takes money. You can't talk about money first. You do ministry, then money follows. And what he does is he goes in his pockets and he gives Truth is, my brothers and sisters, we love to get and sell me love to give. There's this close hand mentality. Many of us have this clenched fist mentality rather than an open hand mentality. These are two vastly different approaches, especially when it refers to money management. Some of us, we hold our money tightly. You always want control of it. Your money stays locked up with you. The mind focuses on what you possess, and you keep it to yourself all the time. But some of us, we have this mentality that what is mine is really not mine, but it's God. Simply when some of us don't follow tithing principle. We don't give our 10%. Some of us are still operating at 100% while some of us who's operating at 90%. But the thing that got me there is that the funny thing is that the people who tend to operate on 100% oftentimes is asking the people who are operating on 90%. I found that folks that don't like to tithe, folk, folk that, 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 that they just don't give God, they just give God an offering, but they don't give their 10th percent. They don't, they don't give from the first fruits. Oftentimes are the ones that's always lacking and always in need, but those who give 10% and beyond, who's working off of 90%, always have more than they need. I know I'm not going to get an amen on this, but ministry requires us to open up our wallet. See, the funny thing is that if you close your fists, you can't receive. Yes, you can't give, but yet you still can't receive. But when you have this open hand mentality, not only you can give, but you can receive. 
That's why the Bible says when you give to the Lord, he will give to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. My brothers and sisters, I struggled this with this in my early Christian life. I, I, me and my wife, I remember when we first bought our house, the boiler blew, the water heater blew, anything that could blue, blew. And I, and I, I, I remember we were challenged, should we pay the mortgage or we should give God a tenth? And I heard this still small voice saying, let me prove you. Let me prove you. And I, I've heard the word that he will give you press down, shake it He will block the devourers, say God. I mean, but but what, what, what that day we gave in our need, we gave our 10%. And this was at the time my wife was on disability because of a C-section. And me and my wife was on nettle. The funny thing is that when the mortgage bill was ready to be paid, we fell short. But all of a sudden the doorbell rang. The mailman came and said, I forgot one envelope. We got the envelope, gave it to my wife. I heard her screaming, thank you, Jesus. And I'm saying, what is she thanking Jesus for in this type of thing? We, are, we need some money. I go upstairs. I see check after check from her union, the disability checks. I did not know that you get a disability check for a C-section. That there was, in her union, there was a special clause for women who go, she said, you get an extra checks. And they gave her three checks. Not only I got enough to pay my mortgage, I had enough to pay for groceries for weeks after weeks. I came to tell somebody that God is real, that he, he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I, I believe your pastor says trust him and obey him and watch him work. And some of us have not trust him enough and obey him. And if you never trust him and obey him, you can't watch the work. Some of us got to open up. How wallet, I know it's hard. I know it's tough. But I double dog dare you. Just trust him and obey him. He will work it out for your good. I gotta go. Not only does he teach us to open up our eyes, give us attention, open up our hearts so we can feel, open up our hands so we can do action, open up our wallets to share our assets. But lastly, you got to open up your schedule. The text says that he was going somewhere. He, he, he wasn't just randomly on his donkey sightseeing. He had something to do. He had a schedule. But he saw fit that God doing ministry was more important than his personal agenda. Making time to help someone else. Simply his agenda wasn't tied in just completing a task, but it was purposeful doing what God expects him to do even when it's not planned. Simply he was flexible. And Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you. By putting God first, putting ministry first, not to the detriment of yourself, but for the honor and the glory of God. And if you honor and glory God, it's not detriment to yourself because God will take care of you. And that is what he's saying, that, that not only you got to give up 
your cash, but you got to get up your time. Look at your time. Look at your schedule. I've learned that many times our schedule is full of unnecessary agendas. And most of the time, it's watching Netflix, watching Hulu, FBI, I'm guilty, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. All of these shows, these are time robbers. I'm not saying not to enjoy yourself, but we got to learn to balance our time. That sometimes I have to ask myself, is there something more important for me to do than me sitting on my couch, watching and catching up and binging on shows? And oftentimes I find myself, rather than going two and three hours on the couch, spending some time, sometimes in prayer, sometimes in meditation, so, sometimes in reflection, and sometimes in redirection. We have to make sure that God gets the best of our time. I got to conclude this. Not only he opened up his eyes, he opened up his heart. He opened up his hands, his wallet, and his agenda. But did you notice this? This was costly. This was a sacrifice. Samaritan gives his attention, he led to his heart with gave affection, which moved to his feet and his hands, which caused action. But I want to conclude that this love he showed was amazing. Jesus, did you notice Jesus didn't just label him the Samaritan? He labeled him the good Samaritan. What was so good is because he was generous, he was compassionate, he was caring for someone that's in need. It reminds me that love costs something. There's a cost to kindness. It usually requires sacrifice, a sacrifice of time, energy, your schedule, your money. Love is more than seeing and feeling, but it requires sacrifice. Look at the verse. It says that he put the man on his donkey, and he took him to an inn. I wonder if it was a holiday inn, where he took care of him. Then the next day, he handled the innkeeper, gave two pieces of silver. Look at that. He had to walk to the inn. I, I was studying, and I don't remember the exact, but these was miles. Where the location he was and, and where the archaeologist says that, that, that the inns were miles and miles away. He got off his donkey. He soothed his wounds with oil, cleaned it with his wine and took him up and put it on his donkey and walked. That is sacrifice. And I began to think about this. And I've been trained well. You got to find the gospel in the text. In every parable, Jesus is somewhere in the text. And I began to look at this story if you notice, Jesus says in verse 37, he gives us instruction. He says, go and do likewise. And my brothers and sisters, Jesus is not like man. He tells us to do something. He doesn't tell us to do something that he hasn't done for himself. He models what he instructs. 
Can, can, can you see it? Jesus is not just talking about a Samaritan, but he's talking about himself. If you really think about it, when you think about the good Samaritan, you might as well remove the good Samaritan by putting Jesus' name. Because the truth is, if you put yourself in the story, you will realize you were just like that man, beat down and broken down by a thief. But this thief is not a human thief, but it's the thief who's roaring like a roaring lion. It's the devil himself. He stripped us left for dead. But aren't you glad that Jesus saw us and came to rescue us? I'm so thankful for Jesus who came to rescue us. He saw us and gave us his attention. But not just his attention, he showed his affection, which moved to action, that he got off the throne and he went down this world and he saved you and me. You might as well say Samaritan, not the good Samaritan, but the great Savior. Aren't you glad about the great Savior who went down to earth and saw us in the ditch of sin? Jesus didn't look away. Jesus said, I got to do something about it. He went long on this long road and carried our burdens to the cross. And he died for us. And he got up on the third day. And that's why you and I could sing, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe and I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. My father or my mother couldn't help. My friends couldn't help. But Jesus' love lifted me. Aren't you glad about his love? God's love lifted me. Do I got anybody know about the love of God? I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Folk may stop loving me, but I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Some of you need to know it when you fell down but you got up because of Jesus' love, because of his mercy and because of his grace. Because he loves me, I know if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Because he loves us, he healed my body. Because he loves us, he opened doors for us. Because he loves us, he provides for us. Because he loves us, he protects us. Because he loves us, he gives us peace that passes all understanding. Because he loves us, he gives us a joy deep down in our soul. Because he loves us, he makes ways out of no way. Because he loves us, he works it out for our good because he loves us when people don't look at you funny people thought you were down and out Jesus got no conditions on his love I, I got this pause right there because some of us got some conditions on their love that if you don't got a, uh, don't got a degree they don't want to love you if your nose too big they don't love you if you're a little fat they don't love you if, if you're bald like me they don't love you but I'm so glad that Jesus loves me and he loves my imperfections he loves 
loves my bad ways, uh, and he loves me so much that not only he loves me as I am, but he loves me enough uh, to transform me. Uh, aren't you glad that he doesn't just love you, but he transforms us. Uh, he transforms us from being selfish and self-centered to selfless. Uh, he loves us to transform us to be patient with those who rub us the wrong way. He loves us that we bite our tongue even when folks disrespect you. He loves us to make us more forgiving even when they hurt us and talk about us. It's not by us, but because Jesus loves is inside of us. And I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. And because Jesus loves me is the reason why I can love you too. But my brothers and sisters, I got to close this real good. If you look back over your life and you think it through, you only made it because of Jesus' love. I'm here because of his love, because of his grace and his mercy. So who am I not to show grace and mercy not to you? Just because I know because I've experienced his grace and I wasn't worthy of it. So I got to still show it to you that even when I feel you're not worthy of it, but because of I experienced his love, I got to show you. My brothers and sisters, for us to be engaged and what we are empowered to do, it comes down to our love. Loving God, but loving each other. If you really love God, you got to love each other. And that's the beauty about God's love. He has no conditions. He just loves us. And similarly, we need to be delivered. Remove these conditions. Love people just as much as God loves us. He tells us to go and do likewise. Let's follow not the good Samaritan, but the great Savior. How he loves us, we love each other. Let's pray. God, we love you, we adore you. We thank you that your word never returns void, but it brings forth fruit in our lives. God, we confess that sometimes we get blind by our burdens and our bitterness. Heal us. Move this self-centeredness. Let us become more aware. Let us see people for who they really are. Let us love them how you want us to love. So God, give us discernment. Open up our eyes. Let us see the opportunities that's in front of us. The neighbors that live on our block. The co-workers at work. Let us, even the students we go to school with, open our eyes to see. But not just see God, open our hearts. Sometimes our hearts are so callous. Open our hearts, give our hearts a tender heart to feel. Don't be quick to judge, but learn to empathize. Feel what our brothers and sisters is feeling and know how to act. But God, let us not be scared and fearful, but act in doing what you've called us to do by just simply using what we have. Let us not be shy and be wary in doing good. You have blessed us with unique abilities, natural and spiritual. So God, thank you for giving us these abilities, but let us not waste it, but we actively use it, God. Give us insight on how to use it. But God, also touch our time management. Let us learn to have an agenda to put you first in everything we do. 
That every time we wake up in the morning, we don't look for what we have to do for ourselves, but what you want us to do. That we will learn to say, God, what do you want us to do today? But God, let us learn to be more generous, not stingy with our assets, but open up our wallets to be more faithful in what you have called us and expect us to do to give our first fruits to you, God. But most of all, God, let us learn to be sacrificial, that love is about sacrifice, the willingness to sacrifice our time, our emotions. And it's not a waste because we know that once you get the glory, it's worth it all. And once we show and honor you, you always will take care of us. So God, continue to bless the Church of God of East New York, a church that's on the move, a vibrant church, bringing change to this community. Continue to open the eyes of their leaders, giving them visions and dreams and ideas. But God, ideas that are relevant to make change to this community. Continue to bless them. Continue to bring people to come alongside them to hold up their arms. Don't leave them hanging as they work in this vineyard. We thank you for the ministers and the leaders. Continue to bless their families because oftentimes we sacrifice. And sometimes we need to be replenished. Continue to replenish them, refresh them. And this continuing this journey and this crisis as we continue to fight for justice and truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wow, that was a great message. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.